the word of life to your people. Father God, we ask that you anoint Pastor Walker. Fill him up. Because he's got your word that he should deliver today. You should hear it today. While today is still called today. Set him on fire. Let it be done in Jesus' name. Amen. To God be the glory. To God be the glory for his omnipotence, for his omnipresent, and his omnipotent. To God be the glory because he's God all by himself. Oh, to God be the glory. In this season of thanksgiving, in this season of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, oh, to God be the glory. Oh, we pause to give you thanks today, saints. As we look back over our lives and we see where he has taken us out of the midst of danger. To the God who calls the universe into existence. To the God who raises the dead. To the God who has been good to us. To the one who has taken care of us and our families. Who has kept giving us our health and our strength. Oh, to him and only to him be the glory. For he's our El Shaddai. He's our Jehovah Rapha. He's our Jehovah Elohim. He's our Jehovah Roy. He's the great I am. To him be the glory. To him and only to him be the glory. I don't know about you, but if I look back over my life, I've seen the places where I've faltered. I'm just glad to be here for if it had not been for him, I would not be here. So whenever I get a chance to speak about the Lord, I'm happy. For you see, you don't know what he's done for me. <laughs> oh, somebody knows what I'm talking about. Because I'm not the only one that God has done something for. See, I also know that he's done something for you. And you ought to give him the glory today. You ought to give him the praise today. For you know that he is worthy to be praised. Come on, saints. Let's glorify our God today. Nobody else wants to glorify God. We glorify. 
is us.
four-part mini-sermon series on the rest of the eighth chapter of the Gospel of John. That's all precedent on God gives me a sermon series for the month of December, but we'll see where that goes. Anyhow, these sermons will cover John chapter 8, verses 34 through 59. And our topics will be generations and traditions. Generations and traditions. One of the things we must realize is that if we do not use generations and traditions in a godly way, they can quickly become our own enemies. These generations and traditions were used by the Jews in a way that drew them away from God rather than to God. And in some ways they caused them to be blind to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it also has to some extent the same effect in some of our churches and Christian households of today you see, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not based on generations, nor is it based on traditions, but on the word of God and on the high priestly work of Jesus Christ on the cross, which frees us from our somewhat dependency on generations and traditions. In our sermon series, we will see where the gospel, will represent, which represents change, can free us from some of these dependencies and allows us to live a life of freedom. You see, the gospel is a deal breaker. <laughs> Whatever deals we had before in society, the gospel breaks those deals so we can live a life for God. Some of the Jews never could depart from their generations and practices of their ancestors and traditions, and they paid a high price for their stubbornness. And in our sermon series, the Jews use Abraham as one from their generation, and they think that because they are related to him, that in some way makes them children of God, and Jesus refutes all of this. Even in some, time, some people in our society seem to think that because they come from a affluent family or from a Christian family, that makes them closer to God than anybody else. That's simply not true. You know, our grandmothers could be a, a saint. That doesn't mean they were a saint. It meant somebody. We can't ride into heaven on their coattails. And so Jesus is not talking about talking to the Jews, but also to those of us who have this kind of mindset. It's a one-on-one -on -one thing with God. There's no easy way around it, or sliding in, or going through the back door. It's none of that. It's one-on-one, -on -one, up close and personal. And so I want to talk to you today, I want to use it as my title, Generations and Traditions, 
part one, hopefully part two will come. Our text will be the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 34 through 41. The Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 34 through 41. And we will look at the truth of generations, and we will also look at the one using these generations and traditions. I'm going to ask Minister Hardaway to come at this time and read our sermon text for today. Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses 34 through 41. Once again, that's the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verses, beginning at verse 34. Begin reading. Jesus said to them, I am telling you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave does not belong to a family permanently, but a son belongs there forever. If the son sets you free, then you will be really free. I know you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are trying to kill me because you will not accept my teaching. I talk about what my father has shown me, but you do not, you do what your father has told you. They answered him, our father is Abraham. If you really were Abraham's children, Jesus replied, you would do the same things that he did. All I have ever done is to tell you the truth I had heard from God, yet you are trying to kill me. Abraham did nothing like this. You are doing what your father did. God himself is the only father we have. They answered, and we are his true children. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Eternal God, my Father, I ask, O oh God, that you would make your presence known today, that you would speak through me to your people today. Help us, O oh God, understand what thus says the Lord today. And we will be sure to give you the glory and the honor, praise to you and you alone deserve. It's in the blessed name of Jesus that we say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. <laughs> As it is my way of doing things. I always like to go right back over the text again because I love to hear the word of God. Yeah. Verses 34 39, Jesus said to them, the Jews, I am telling you the truth. Everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave does not belong to a family permanently, but a son belongs there forever. If the Son sets you free, then you will really be free. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, yet you are trying to kill me because you will not accept my teaching. I talk about what my father has shown me, but you do what your father has told you. When they answer him, our father is Abraham. If you really were Abraham's children, Jesus replied, you would do the same things that he did. 
Well, you see, first Jesus tells them everyone who sins is a slave of sin, and a slave does not belong to a family permanently. Notice this to amaze me where everybody, everybody thinks they're free, but in reality, nobody is free. Either you're a slave of sin or you're a slave of Christ. Nobody is free. But yet we think we're free because we do the things we want to do and all that, but we have no idea uh, what we're doing in reality. For you see, sin is a family. I want, I'm going to be careful here. Sin is a family, and there are many families in the family of sin. Let me say it again, because I want to make sure I, I get this point across. Sin is, uh, is a huge family. And there are many families within that family of sin. Are you with me so far? For instance, lying is a family in the family of sin. But a person who lies does not belong to the family of lies permanently because he moves on in that big family of sin to other families of sin, such as gossiping, adultery, etc., etc. So there are many families within the family of sin. You have that point. But on the other hand, Jesus says that a son belongs there forever in the family forever. He doesn't move from family to family because there's only one family. There's a family of God. And nobody infiltrates the family of God. Okay. Once a child of God, always a child of God. But once a slave to sin, you move on and you on to this sin and that sin and that sin. And you're all within the family of sin. That's why a sin is so dangerous because you never stand permanently. You're always moving doing something else that's not right. And the only one that can stop that is Jesus. You see, again, once you're a child of God, you're always a child of God. Now, the Jews in, in, in their generation traditions, the Jews, some of them were, were, were claiming Moses and some were claiming Abraham and the list goes on and on. But we only proclaim one person and that's Jesus. That's all. There is no need for another because we are a family in the family of God. We're one head, one God. And then Jesus goes on to tell them he knows that they are Abraham's descendants are from the generations of Abraham and they are trying to kill him because they do not accept his teachings. You see, change is hard for the Jews but they were so caught up in their traditions and their generations and they would not change. You know, even today, change is hard for people. People don't want to change. Especially if you've been doing something for so long. Yeah. Especially if it's coming up to your family. Your family did it, and mama did it, and grandma did it, and grandpa did it, and great-grandpa did it. That's a tradition that we do, and we're not gonna change our tradition. That's what we do. But God is about change. 
If you want to see the kingdom of God, you have to change. You have to change. There's nothing wrong with families. There's nothing wrong with generations. There's nothing wrong with that. Day. But sometimes, at some point, you have to change. Because God is not generation. He's not tradition. He's God. And he's not a God that is stationary. God is constantly on the move. Right now, he's just moving through. He's moving, moving, moving. God doesn't stand still. He just keeps moving and moving and moving. That's why I keep saying all the time, a Christian is not one who stands still. If you are a child of God, you cannot stand still. You have to move because God moves you. You can't stand still and say, oh, well, now I'm satisfied. You can never be satisfied. Never be satisfied. Ouch. Ouch. And Jesus goes on to tell him now that they are Abraham's descendants uh, from his generations. I remember when I was coming up, me and my sisters had to walk to church. Church was about a mile away, I guess. And I always used to hate the, 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 the walk to church with my sisters. They were good girls. They, they were good. They were but we always had to walk by this porch. And on this porch were these men. I don't know about you back in my day. Men, men didn't go to church. They had a party all day Saturday. And Sunday they'd be sitting on the porch and Getting over the hangover and all this here. And here I come with my little suit on and me and my sisters walking by and they say, Young Walker, you going to church today, huh? I wish I could find another way to go to church. Oh, many days I walked by them and got harassed by them, but my mother made me walk to church. I didn't understand then, but I understand now. Yeah, I understand now. I'm so glad my mother made me go to church. God bless her. God bless her, I tell you. I know some of you had the same experience, and so we'll just let that go. But let's look at Paul from an even Paul, the apostle, the great apostle Paul. He was also caught up in all this here. And it took the Damascus road to change him. He was on his way to, to, to uh, get some uh, Christians in Damascus and take them back to Jerusalem and try them and all this here. Because he would believe what was going on, what the Jews had taught all his life. That's all he knew. But God had to change him on the Damascus road and Paul was never the same again. Never the same again. That's why I keep saying it's a change has to come over you. You just can't keep doing the same thing all the time, doing this all and over day and day. And New Year's comes and New Year's goes and the same thing goes. Something is wrong if you keep doing the same thing all the time. It's like you know you're going to live forever, but nobody lives forever. There's come a time where you have to pay up. Yes. 
There's a time where you have to stand before the Almighty and give an account for what you've done all those years that you haven't done anything. I know it's hard, but I have to speak with us, says the Lord. You want to be mad at somebody, be mad at God, don't be mad at me. And so it is today, uh, consider the, the tradition we have, not only here, but at all other churches. You walk into any church in this country, and you sit in the wrong seat for someone who's been sitting in that seat for years. You are in trouble. They will let you know that you are in the wrong seat. Even though it is not their seat, it is God's seat. Or you park your car in their parking space where they have been parking for the last 15 or 20 years. Sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, you can't park there, that's my place. Well, who gave you that place? Whose place is that? That's not your place. God said the earth and all that's in it is mine. So how can it be yours? Traditions, traditions, traditions of you can walk in some churches wearing the wrong thing. Well, we don't do that here. We don't, we don't dress like that here. We don't do that here. Well, who told you that? God's not concerned about how you look. God is concerned about what's on the inside. We get caught up, get caught up, get caught up in, in traditions, traditions, traditions. Have to change. I remember the story one time where uh, this lady was putting bacon her cake in the oven and she always used to put it in a certain way and the daughter asked her daughter why, why do you put the cake in that way there you got all this oven left here you put, always put it a little to the side like that there why do you do that mom she said well grandma used to do that and then when old lady came up and, and told her well you know what the reason why that grandma did it because her stove wasn't big enough to take the whole cake there. That's why she put it over to the side. But little things like that, traditions, you, you, you just follow traditions, you do what people do, what, what everybody's doing, they keep on doing, and you forget that God is not about tradition, God is about change. God is about change. And so, Jesus says something very profound in verse 38 where he says, I talk about what my father has shown me, but you do what your father has told you. Well, we know he's talking about the devil here. What he's saying is your father is the devil. If you look back at, at down through that chapter, you'll see where he comes up and says it himself. Your father's a devil. And he's behind all this stuff. All this stuff we go through. He's behind it. Or our human nature's behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then they answer Jesus right back, talking about Abraham being their father. And, and Jesus tells them that if they were really Abraham's children, they would do the same thing that Abraham did. And none of them would do that. 
For I remember when Abraham was going to give his only son, Isaac. He was going to kill him for God. God said, sacrifice him. It was only when God stopped him that Abraham stopped. That's how faithful Abraham was to God. God says, if, you're, if you are faithful to me, then I will take care of you. It was true then, and it's true today. It'll be true tomorrow. If we are faithful to God, no matter what the circumstances is, no matter what it looks like, then God will be faithful to us. God doesn't need a whole lot of time to save us. I say God doesn't need a whole lot of time to save us. God just needs a split second, not, not even that. Jesus is trying to get them to be faithful to God in the same thing. God is, uh, the Spirit is trying to get us to be faithful to God today. And not be distracted by the things we see or the things we hear. God says, be faithful to me. I'm the same God that you read about in the Bible, in the Old Testament, the New Testament. I'm the same God. I haven't gone anywhere. I'm just as true today as I was then. If we stay with tradition, we will also be living, we will always be living in the past. But if we become part of the kingdom of God, we will constantly be changing for the good as the Holy Spirit molds us and shapes us to be more like Jesus in what we say and what we do. When we depend on the call of God in our life, we must leave traditions behind and remember God's call. You remember God's call to the prophet Jeremiah in chapter 1, verses 4 through 10, where Jeremiah says these words, the Lord said to me, I chose you before I gave you life, and before you were born, I selected you to be a prophet to the nations. I answered Jeremiah says, Sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, Do not say that you are too young, but go to the people I have sent you to and tell them everything I command you to say. Do not be afraid of them, for I will be with you to protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my lips and said to me, Listen, I am giving you the words you will speak. Today I give you authority over nations and kingdoms and to uproot and to pull down, to destroy and to throw, overthrow, to build and to plant. And if you've read the book of Jeremiah, you know Jeremiah what we call the crying prophet. Because he was faithful to God, he did what God wanted to do, and everybody and everybody in their family were trying to kill Jeremiah. But God says, go and tell them what I tell you to do. I tell you, if we are faithful to God, God will be faithful to us. It's not always an easy road. Because people will talk about you, they'll say all kinds of things about you. They won't understand what you're doing. They won't understand none of what you're saying. 
and you just have to keep on pressing on and trusting God that God will get you through it. God needs somebody to be a witness for himself. God cannot come down here by himself and witness for himself. Because nobody will be able to stand before him. So God needs some faithful people who are willing, no matter what happens, to say what thus says the Lord. God needs people like that to, to be with him. And God has called us for that. Not only me, but he's calling you too. Nobody gets a free pass here. I'm just letting that sink in. In verses 40 41, Jesus exposes the one who is really behind Jews' unbelief, the one who uses the Jews' generation and traditions in such a way as to confuse the Jews and keep them from accepting the truth that Jesus is trying to teach them. And oh, by the way, oh, by the way, the thing that got the Jews in trouble is they wouldn't tell anybody anything. Even Jesus came through their line. Jesus was a Jew. They wouldn't tell anybody about the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God. That's what got them in trouble. And you know what? God has shown us who he is. He has given us a message, not only to us, but to the world. The message that we speak in this sanctuary should be overflowing to outside of that sanctuary, to your family, to your friends, to your neighbors, to your co-workers. The message should go on and on and on. It doesn't stop here. You don't leave here with the message and leave the message here. You take it with you, with you, and you go and you tell somebody what thus says the Lord. Oh, the pastor didn't look at me funny. So what? Let him look at you funny. What difference does it make? What difference does it make? I would rather that, that have them look at me funny than God mad at me. Amen, somebody. God says, I give you a message, and I want you to go tell somebody. Don't keep it to yourself. And if you won't tell somebody, I'll take it from you and give it to somebody else so they'll tell somebody. If you can't do it, I'll find somebody who'll do it. You're not the only ones that know my word. Sanctuary like a filling station when you go and fill your car with gas. You don't just pop there and leave it there and walk home. No, you drive it home. And so here you get the word of God and you, you fill yourself up with the word of God. And then you go outside of these walls and then you shut it off. No, no, you tell somebody and show them in God's word what thus says the Lord. I am convinced that a lot of things was going on today in our world because people won't speak up enough about the God they, whom they know. I'm convinced of that. Again, in verses 40, 41, Jesus exposes them for who they are. He says, all I have ever done is to tell you the truth I heard from God, yet you are trying to kill me. <laughs> Abraham did nothing like this. You are doing what your father did. God himself is the only father we have to answer, and we are his children. Now Jesus tells the Jews that he, he, all he ever did was tell them the truth. He heard from God, yet they were trying to kill him. 
You see, no one wants to hear the truth if it's inconvenience to them. The only time we'll tell the truth is when it's in our benefits, if it benefits us. But if we tell the truth and we're going to make enemies of somebody, no, we have to rethink that. We go around another way and we call the so-called truth or whatever we want to call it. And these Jews were no different. Most of the time we, we will accept the truth if it fits our lifestyle. And if it doesn't cause us too much trouble. We do not want anything or anybody disrupting our way of living because we are comfortable in it. But the simple truth is that the truth is a truth and we cannot stop it from being a truth. Nobody can stop the truth from being a truth. If Jesus says he is coming again, then he's coming again. Whether we choose to believe it or not. If he says we will die in our sins if we do not believe in him, then that is what will happen, whether we want to accept it or not. The truth cannot be stopped. The truth is not like the fires that were burning in California and they were eventually stopped. The truth is like a tsunami. Nothing can stop it until it accomplishes its purpose. The truth of the matter is one and one is two. Equals two. One plus one equals two. And you can slice it and dice it any way you want. It's still one plus one equals two. Whether you like it or not, that's what it is. The Pharisees couldn't stop the truth and neither can we. If Jesus says, I'm Lord, then Jesus is Lord. Whether you want to believe it or not, he's still Lord. And a time is coming when the whole world will know that he's the Lord. The truth is the truth. And it will have its way, no matter how long it takes or what condition it finds itself in. Truth will always find its way. You can tell as many lies as you want, but the truth one day will come. It'll come at a time where you least want it to come, but it will come. Nobody can cover up the truth. It'll always be the truth. Wow. Ouch. You see, we can cover the truth up for so long Sooner or later, it's going to break free and rise to the top. You know, a lot of times we'll say, it's so funny, a lot of times we'll say, we'll tell somebody, now don't tell anybody. And just think about that for a minute. Just think about it a minute. Don't tell anybody. You're telling somebody who can't wait to tell somebody something. Now, now don't tell them somebody. Now what makes you think they're not going to tell anybody anything? What makes you think that? Unless they're a heaven's angel, unless they're Jesus or they're God, of course they're going to tell somebody. Especially if it's something juicy. They can't wait to get on the phone. Don't tell anybody I told you to tell them that. Don't tell anybody I told you to tell them that. You're just fooling yourself. If you don't want to tell anybody, don't tell them. 
some of the things we do, it's, it's, it's just important. You can't make it up. You just can't make it up. Now notice what Jesus uh, tells him. He says, you are doing what your father did, talking about the devil. He's talking about the devil trying to kill him, just like the Jews are. You see, the moment Jesus was born, Satan was trying to kill him. He couldn't get even get out of Mary's womb fast enough, but Satan was all over him for his whole life. Mary was pregnant, nine months pregnant, riding on a donkey, going to Bethlehem, a distance of 90 miles. And the only thing that kept her from having a miscarriage was God. Jesus was on the cross. It was, in, it was in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Satan jumped on with all four feet. Only God was with him. He was in such torment that blood was sweating from his forehead. Because he understood what was coming, yet God was there to comfort him. All through his life, he had to deal with Satan and what he was doing. And we don't have the records of his birth, but we can just imagine what kind of childhood he had to go through. Well, newsflash, guess what? Satan has somebody assigned to you to keep you all rattled up. And sometimes they win and sometimes they don't win. It all depends on how long you stay in God's word. That's how you defeat them, by getting in God's way and by prayer. Make no mistake about it. He doesn't want us to say anything good about God or his son Jesus. And he take any, and what the bad thing about it, that he uses the things that we love the most, that we cherish the most. Those are the ones he gets on trying to break our spirit, but I tell you today that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And no matter what happens, God will always be there by your side. There might be times when you can't feel him. There might be times when you don't see that he's around, but God is always there. God said, I will be with you, and God does not lie. God will always be with you. So do not give in. Do not get into all the things that he has in front of you, into all the people he puts in your path, into all the circumstances he puts you into. Just remember that you are an overcomer. Remember that. Overcome your circumstance that God will be with you. And then when Jesus got to the cross, on the center cross, he said, it is finished. It is finished. All those years of you messing with me, all those things, I have set my people free. I have set the people in God's house of prayer free. It is finished. I took your best that you had to offer me, and now it is finished. And all those who believe in me can raise their hand and say, it is finished. Jesus has paid the price. It is finished. No matter what happened, it is finished. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You see, lies and falsehoods cannot win out against the truth.
because they have a foundation of straw and truth has the foundation of fire, the Holy Spirit. And the fire, the Holy Spirit, burns up the straw. Whew, somebody help me here. The Jews were counting on them being related to Abraham that was righteous, but was but our righteousness is in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone. But Jesus Christ's righteousness, he transferred, watch this, he transferred his righteousness to us. And we transfer our unholiness to him. God says to us right now, not guilty. Come on, baby, not guilty. I don't care what you've done. My son paid the price, not guilty. The only difference is that we ought to walk and talk like we're not guilty. We ought to speak like we're not guilty. We ought to talk like we're not guilty. We ought to move like we're not guilty. That's why God gets the praise. That's why he gets the praise. Because he has delivered us from all these generations and these traditions and all these other things. He has delivered us from all of these things here. And only God, only he gets the praise. Stewart is very shallow here. One more passage I want to give you, and then we're going to give God some praise. The Jews would come along, they'd be related to Abraham as righteous. But the Apostle Paul has an answer for the Jews, and he also has an answer for us. In Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 through 9. Make sure you note that. He says these things here. Consider the experience of Abraham as the scripture says. Somebody help me. He believed in God and because of his faith, God accepted him as righteous. You should realize then, I'm just put some words in here and I, God, I hope it's all right. You should realize then, God talks with prayer, <laughs> that the real descendants of Abraham are the people who have faith. faith. Yes. The scripture predicted that God would put the Gentiles right with himself through faith. And so the scripture announced the good news to Abraham. Through you, God will bless all people. Abraham believed and was blessed. So all who believe are blessed as he was. My brothers and sisters in Christ, today the blessings of God are upon you. The same blessings that God had upon Abraham, they rest and abide upon you today. If you would only believe, if you only realize how much God loves you, that he would bless you like this here. So whatever you go through, whatever's happened in your life, whatever 
happened yesterday, whatever happens tomorrow, realize this here, you are blessed. Even if you're sick, you are still blessed. Even if you're broke, you are still blessed. Even if you're having family problems, God still blesses you. No matter what happens in your life, God says you are blessed. And nobody can take those blessings away. Those blessings are there permanently. That's why we give God praise. Because God has blessed each and every one of us. And not only that, but when we go home and into our homes, guess what? Those blessings spread throughout the house. And whoever's in the way of those blessings, guess what? They get blessed right along with them. That's why somebody ought to give God some praise today. I don't know about you, but I'm just happy to be a child of God today. That's why he's worthy to be praised. That's why I praise him. That's why I glorify him. That's why I magnify him. Because even though I don't believe, even though I don't deserve it, God has blessed me and blessed you too. You just don't know how well you are blessed. You just don't understand how much God has blessed you. You don't know what happened when you was coming here today on an expressway. You don't know what happened when you were asleep last night and someone tried to break in your house. You don't know what happened to your body when cancer was trying to get it last night and God didn't let it happen. You don't know what happened to your children when someone was trying to attack them and God was there. You don't know how much God has blessed you today. You don't know how God has blessed you today. You gotta stand on your feet and get God some praise today. I'm telling you, God has blessed you. He didn't have to do it, but God has blessed you. Even right now, God is blessing you. Right now, He's blessing you. And you don't understand how much God loves you. You don't because we deserve one thing. 
we deserve. And that's that. But Father God, we thank you again now for your grace. Said the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through your son Jesus Christ. And although we deserve to die, you put your son to death. And he gave up to those yet, even while we were yet still sinners. Father God, he sits on the throne on high, even yet while we're still sinners, and he's still saving the blood is still saving us today. Almighty, powerful God, we thank you, Father. When we laid in the hospital and we couldn't pray, it was you. Car accident and we walked away, it was you. Heart attack in our sleep, it was you. I can look back and I can laugh at, at, at things that used to enslave me. That's you. And we thank you, Father. Because you brought us through. Even while we were still rebellious, not knowing we were one of yours. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Is there any more thanks that we can give you? If there's a better way to thank you, Father God, let us But we just want to thank you today your grace and your mercy. In the name of Jesus. Amen.